At this point in our worship service, we're going to transition to the preaching of God's word. And uh, it's only fitting that uh, we have a very special guest in the house, and uh, Pastor Leon uh, prepared a little something. Um, I was going to paraphrase, but after reading it, I thought, you know, let me read it verbatim because it encouraged me, and I hope it encourages you, uh, Pastor Hoy. Uh, these are Pastor Leon's words uh, regarding uh, who he would see as a mentor in the faith. Pastor Bob Hoy is a spiritual mentor and role model for me. The investments he has made with his life, uh, for instance, multiple churches, a Christian health clinic, school, kids who love him and walk with Christ, inspire and convict me. I look to grow in relationship with him and am thankful he has been willing to pour into me. I, I don't know you personally, but after reading that, I thought, man, let me get to know uh, Pastor Hoy a little bit. So, Pastor Hoy, uh, come up and preach the word to us, and brothers and sisters, prepare your hearts for the preaching of God's word. You know, I've had a dream that someday when I get introduced, the introduction is, let me talk about all of Pastor Bob's sins over a lifetime, because those are equally true. And uh, it's wonderful. How did I manage to do this? It's, it's wonderful to be a part of God's kingdom and God's work. Is the mic okay, sound guys? Okay. Uh, but I'm just like the rest of us, you know. Forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Uh, three steps forward, two steps back. Uh, and so I'm very glad to be here. It's an honor. It's uh, my third opportunity this year. So uh, you are a great faith community, and it's a privilege uh, to be here today. Uh, I did really enjoy worship uh, this morning, and uh, that last song, I'm confident of this. Uh, the goodness of the Lord. It's uh, taken from Psalm 27. Uh, that's uh, the 13th verse. And of course it was originally written in Hebrew. And so it gets translated in English. I'm confident of this, that I would see the goodness of the Lord. The New American Standard Version translated it just a little differently and said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And uh, I really resonate with that, so I am confident of the goodness of the Lord. I'm more confident of that than I am that I'm standing here. Don't be confident in my goodness, but be confident in the goodness of the Lord. And if you've lived a while, uh, you know what it means to say, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see God, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, I remember uh, going to a church I'd never been to before when I was 20 with my friend Dale, and uh, they had a guest preacher who uh, uh, couldn't, read the, couldn't read anymore. 
So someone had to read the text, and uh, he said that day, now I know there's some of you who believe that if you believe in the Lord, you will not have to deal with infirmity. So I have just one thing to say to you this morning. Live a while. <laughs> Live a while. So uh, God is good and he invites us to be his people, but uh, sometimes we're walking wounded. And uh, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord uh, in the land of the living. This teaching, I prepared a bit ago, but it's growing legs. I, I made about six notes already this morning, new legs and arms and uh, things. Uh, I want to say to you, I've been hearing God's word, studying God's word, sometimes teaching and preaching God's word for over 50 years, uh, but I am not a professional uh, this morning. I was reading a novel this week, and, and someone said, uh, you're not a professional, you're an amateur, and the person said, absolutely. The definition of an amateur is someone who does something for love, not for money, you know, not because it's their job but it's because they can't not do it. And so I want to say I love, love God's word, and I am an amateur. I'm learning God's word. I got a mirror coming back at me, so if I say anything, it, you, you should be thinking about incorporating in your life. Uh, it's easier to give advice than it is to take it, you know, and I found out that God doesn't give me a free pass just because I speak it or preach it. I, I put these on the same way everybody else does. And, uh, and we're all running the same race. We encourage each other with the word of God. But Lord, I ask that you would, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer today. So uh, C.S. Lewis uh, said that just about every bad thing is a bad thing because it's a counterfeit of a good thing. I'll give you an example. Flattery. Flattery is a bad thing. Uh, flattery is a bad thing because it's insincere, and it's self-serving. Uh, but it's a counterfeit of affirmation. And it sure is a pity when we don't affirm one another because we don't want to flatter or give somebody a big head. Uh, to, to say to somebody, I see who you are. I see what you're doing. It's good. It encourages me. That, that is something that the saints of God should all be doing with one another. And even Hagar, when she gets put out and is now homeless in the book of Genesis, and she's got a child, and what's up now? The Lord seeks her out, and she's like, you are the God who sees me. I am seeing the God who sees me. 
And each one of us here, we're all the same. We don't need everybody in our corner, but we need somebody in our corner. And, uh, and a lot of our issues with God, it's like, do you see? Do you see what's going on here? Do you see me? And, and do you care? And uh, if we, you believe, if I believe that God sees us, it's good, even when it's hard. But it's when we're losing sight of that and belief in that that we struggle. So I want to teach something really high today, really important. Uh, important to me, important to you, a great mystery. And uh, I, I, I really believe if we, if we get it, and a lot of you already have it, but we just reaffirm uh, what the things that Jesus taught us. You know, that's in the Great Commission and the Matthew. All authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says the Lord Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we spend a lot of time reminding each other of everything that Jesus taught us. And, and nobody ever outgrows the need for that. You know, if you think uh, you got nothing to, to learn, you're going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, uh, uh, and uh, we, all, we all have a lot to learn. But what I want to talk about today... If, uh, if we had a sermon title, would be, When Does Prayer Become a Conversation? Okay, so we talk about praying. We prayed a lot this morning, corporately, individually. And uh, when does prayer become a conversation? So remember what I was saying about what C.S. Lewis said about like flattery and affirmation so trying to manipulate God is not a good thing has anybody here ever tried to manipulate God oh yeah you know sometimes I want God to say yes come on now God what do you think maybe I even open the book and it says no no, no I'm serious God you know for real for real, what do you think? No. Oh, all right, now, here we go, God. What do you think? You know, and um, manipulating God is a foolish enterprise. Sometimes each of us are tempted to do it when we really want a certain answer to be a certain way. However, the reason it's not healthy is because it's a counterfeit of reasoning together with God. So my foundation verse this morning for starters, there'll be a lot of them, but I promise not to take all day, uh, is uh, from the book of Isaiah, the first chapter, the 18th verse, where the Lord says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. So when you and I pray, it's it's not like Harding out here. Why is it not like Harding? Anybody figure that out? It's not a one-way street. 
Yeah, thank you. All right. Give her a Sunday school treat. And uh, I forgot your name already. You are? Jenny. All right. Thank you, Jenny. Um, So it's not, when we pray, it's not, uh, we're being invited into a space where we're going to converse with God Almighty. Now, uh, I want to deal with a couple of disclaimers because uh, you know, for people who don't believe in God, this seems kind of nuts. Okay? I, I, I remember working in Chicago in 2016, and a young woman called me up and said, uh, can I interview you for my class? I said, okay. She goes, I'm supposed to interview somebody who believes he talks with God. And she goes, I want to tell you right now, I don't believe in God. And... Um, and, and think about it, it's a, it's a normal reaction for people to say. And, uh, uh, but there is a lot in Scripture that says if you're a child of God, you hear from God. He hears from you, but you also hear from Him. But, but we do need to filter that, you know, and have respect and, and realize that for people who don't, know God or believe in God, that sounds really wild. And so you don't want to push that. You don't, you don't ever want to be flippant about, oh, God, you know, it's a local call, me and God, and, uh, you know, he talked to me about this, and he told me that. And he, you know, um, we, we want to, uh, fear of the Lord is a healthy thing. Uh, love of God will replace fear, ultimately, but um, we don't take lightly, but believers believe that when they pray, they enter a space where they not only speak to God, but they hear from God. Imperfectly, but they do. The other thing, uh, the other disclaimer is someone would say, wait a minute, do you speak for God? You're going to tell me that you speak for God? And that's a, that's a pretty honest disclaimer, too. You don't want to ever be quick to say you speak for God. And historically, I would say, you know, I believe I hear from God. But I have never wanted to be flippant or say, oh, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. Uh, I might say, you know, I'm pretty sure that this is what the Lord was saying to me, or it seemed to me that God was saying. Uh, it, it seems to me from Scripture, if you want to make God angry, speak for him when he didn't speak. You know, see how that works out. And it's, a, you know, it's not something that any of us would want to do lightly. But the but the people of God, the children of Israel, were brought up to understand that. And people of faith, followers of Jesus, were brought up to understand that. So we want to be careful of the disclaimers, not to ever be too flippant about uh, how we hear from God. And now another thing that will take place, even in this room, we're not all the same. 
You know, we have di different learning styles, different teaching styles. If you're into the Enneagram, you know, we're, we're wired differently. And so some people might uh, here might think, is there something wrong with me? Am I not very spiritual? Because I don't, I don't think I have heard from God. I don't hear God speak all the time. Keep this teaching word of Jesus in mind from John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Let me hear you remember that with me. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So however you hear God, that's okay for you. Don't try to think, man, I wish I was like Pastor Kevin, who just seems to have God on speed dial, and, and it doesn't work that way for me. You know, the whole book in Nehemiah, which is an amazing book, and he was a man, an amazing man of God, doesn't say one time in that book that the Lord spoke to Nehemiah. He, it says he prayed to God, and he said, if you're hearing me, give me favor in the presence of the king. If you're hearing me, strengthen my hands. So we're all wired differently. So don't worry about your receiving apparatus, you know, when it comes to hearing from God. Because God likes the diversity among us. Okay, I'm, I think I've set the table. We ought to get started. So in uh, uh, Psalm 139, it's a beautiful psalm. And... and you're all kind of familiar with it. And uh, God, you know me. You know me when I'm doing good. You know me when I'm doing awful. You know. And I can't get away from you. And, but it, it ends with like the words from the song, the last two verses, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and, and, and know my anxious ways. See if there be, you know, something that isn't right within me, you know, and, uh, and set me free. So when we pray, we're inviting God to, to search us, to check us out. And, and we reason together with God, you know. So there might be a 12-stepper or two among us that, what's that step four? But you know, let's take a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. You know, so to be in the presence of God and, uh, and to discuss our life and to welcome the Spirit. And, and it's not in, you know, so if you're feeling that the Spirit of God is always telling you you're not good enough, that's not the Holy Spirit. And if you're feeling that the Holy Spirit is telling you, you're good, you're always good, you're always, you're good, that's not the Holy Spirit either. You know, a good conscience is not a conscience that tells me I'm good. That's a hot-wired conscience. I seared it to make it give me the response I was looking for. A good conscience is, Bob, for real? Bob, you're going to run that one by Evelyn? Is that what you're going to do? Come on, Bob. Come on. You know, and uh, so we have, we have five children. One of them turned 
uh, 36 last Saturday in Grand Rapids, and he invited us to meet all his friends and have dinner with them. And one of his friends knew something about me. And they said, so Bob, let me ask you three questions about John. Uh, what are you uh, proud of? What are you concerned about? And what are you surprised about? And everybody laughed, you know. But one of the things I realized with my son, who's living his life, is I have seen develop in him an ability to self-correct. And that makes me way less concerned. He's going to have issues his whole life. I do too. I got a witness, right? Evelyn, she's my witness. Uh, but when you have the Spirit of God inside of you and you are willing to self-correct, that's the best kind of changing. Pastor Kevin, Pastor Leon can tell you how you need to change, and, and that can be a gift. But the best change is when you say, okay, God, I'm tired of wrestling with you about this. Change my name. You know? Do you know Roberta Flack did that song, right, with Killing Me Softly and everything? She did a song. You can look it up. I told Jesus it would be all right. It would be all right. It would be all right. I told Jesus it would be all right. Change my name. Change my name. Let Saul become Paul. Let Simon become Peter. Let me become a, a, a new person in Jesus. And... Uh, when you and I have the ability to self-correct, uh, it will improve your family interactions. It will improve your faith community interactions. When they, we have the ability to forgive and ask for forgiveness, to just own it, say, you know what, I was wrong. I got a walking buddy, and we were going, we were driving together one day, and, and this woman cut me off in traffic. And, you know, I was being very immature. I was upset about it, you know. And she rolled down her window and she said, My bad, I was wrong. Well, well have a beautiful day. <laughs> you know, there was nothing more to say. You know, she's, I, I, it, was, it was me. I was wrong. Oh. Okay, then, <laughs> you know, and, you know, um, where it says in first time, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What breaks our fellowship more than anything else is when other people see our faults and we don't seem to see it. And, and we act like, it's like bad breath. Everybody knows we got it but us, you know, and... Uh, Somehow, this search me, oh God, you know, uh, and the Lord saying, come on, let's reason together, helps us deal with our own stuff. And, 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 and this is what it is to be discipled by Jesus himself. So, shall we get started? Let's start the sermon part. So, uh, in, in John 10, 
uh, Jesus will say, um, uh, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. A stranger they will not follow. So Jesus expects that you know him when he talks to you. I learned something this year. Uh, I think I might have shared it last time, but I learned something about shepherds in Israel. And I'll try to be quick about this. But basically, they had two kinds of sheepfolds where the sheep would stay. One of them might be a big community sheepfold. Like if everybody here at MacAv had a few sheep, and on Sunday morning you brought your sheep and you put them all in, in a fenced enclosure next door. Okay? So church is over. How are you going to get your sheep? You go out there. Mike goes out there. And he's like, come on, sheep. And Mike's sheep comes because they know Mike's voice. And Kevin's sheep don't come. They ain't, they ain't my shepherd. Nobody else's sheep come. They know the voice of their shepherd. Is that something? And so if Kevin and Mike were having a spat about whose sheep is it, Mike could be like, watch this. Come on now. And the sheep would come. Say, see what I'm saying? And so... Part of life is learning to recognize the voice of Jesus in your life. And, and sometimes that's a good enough reason to say no. Hey, we want you to do this. No. Why? I just haven't heard God speak to me about it yet. You know, that's a good enough reason. Say, I'm in a season of discernment and I'm not feeling it yet. So Jesus, is this something? To, so Jesus expects that we would hear his voice. I'm going to move on. Uh, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says to us, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens up, we'll sup together. You know, we'll, we'll break bread. And... Uh, so a lot of people use that verse for conversion, the, the hour of conversion, and it's certainly true. But it's always true. It's always true. Do, do you hear Jesus knocking? You know, you're angry with your cousin, and you haven't talked to him in three years. He's, knock, knock. Oh, come on now. Uh, what could you do? You know, what could you do to make this situation better? Ah, oh, Jesus. Jesus. You know, but do we know his voice? And do we hear Jesus knock? Do you, do you hope to hear Jesus knock? You know, about, and it can be about anything. You know, it can be, Jesus, can I take uh, marriage 101 from you? You know, could we just start over? Could you? Could you give me a class and, 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 and walk me through this again? You know, Jesus, could, could I take parenting 101 with you? Could I hear you knocking about that? Jesus, I'm not getting along with that sister at church. It gets on my nerves. And uh, I know you don't see her that way. So there's something wrong with me that I do. And... Could we, could we work on that? And, 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 
And it's a beautiful thing when the Spirit of God, and sometimes it is prompted by other people, but what happens is when other people feel a need to, to bring to us something that we do that hurts them, and I, I've done that recently. I thought I was being funny, hurt somebody's feelings. It took me a day to realize it. And uh, and took me a person to help me realize it. <laughs> and it wasn't the person I hurt, but, uh, you know, our heart is softer if we are allowing this kind of interplay with God. And I guess you have to know your love to, to receive this kind of instruction you know if you feel if you feel kind of crushed in spirit already it's hard for you to admit faults and oftentimes those of us that have the hardest time admitting faults are 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 those of us who feel like man if i if i start turning against myself now i really got nobody but you'll be surprised it won't kill you it's like the Fonz. You guys probably don't even know who he is. But he, uh, he, he could never say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, you know, when we apologize, if you're going to say, I'm sorry, but, never mind. Just keep, keep the apology because that'll just relight the fire. Uh, my... my uh, my philosophy with Evelyn for a long time was I didn't want, I wanted to stop arguing and I wanted to have the last word. Anybody see any conflict there? You, you know, it's like, let's not argue about this, so, but know this, <laughs> you know? And it's like, you didn't mean it. You did not mean it, you know? It's like, did you want peace or what? So anyhow, let me move on. Um, in, in Romans 8.14, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So there's an expectation. If we are Christ followers, we are Christians, we are Jesus' people, that the Spirit leads us. Leads us individually and leads us uh, collectively. And Jesus says uh, in uh, John 14, 26, he, he's telling his disciples they're going to have some trouble. And uh, he said, you don't have to always know what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance everything that I've said to you. So that's one of the good reasons for studying God's word and for hearing God's word preached and taught. And it should be one of our prayers. Lord, by your spirit, would you bring back to my remembrance? Going right back to that great commission, teaching them to observe all that I've taught you. Would you bring back to my remembrance something that you said that I need to remember, I need to hear? And, and, of course, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, uh, Eli tells Samuel, you should say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So we can't manipulate God. We don't want to manipulate God. But it's never a bad thing when you're in prayer to say, speak, Lord. 
or your servant is listening. And maybe you'll get something and maybe you won't. But it's kind of like riding a bike or swinging a bat. I used to coach Little League, and, and when kids first start facing live pitching, it's terrifying. And they're up there hoping to get a walk, you know. And you're like, today we're going to talk about the secret of getting a hit. Now, the secret of getting a hit is what? Swing the bat. Yes, absolutely. And if you swing the bat, you will get a hit. Maybe not today. <laughs> but the moral of this story is don't let anybody cheat you out of your swings. And, you know, and every kid did get their hit. And, uh, so the more we cultivate this kind of prayer in our own life, the more we swing the bat, the, the more we listen, the better we get at hearing. It, our hearing can actually improve in our relationship with God, and, uh, and we can build on this. So uh, I think I'm going to just mention one, one more story in and let it go at that. So in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. I used to think that was three different ways of saying the same thing, but at some point I realized it's three different things. So when, when I was a young man, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, I was a painting contractor, and we had a little Toyota or something. And I had ladders and buckets and all kinds of gear. And I'm like, God, I, I, need, a, I need a truck. You know, I need something I can hold all my work stuff in. And what I didn't have was money. And so I'm asking God for a vehicle. And, but I really needed that vehicle, so I didn't stop with asking God. I started putting the word out. Anybody know of a cheap truck that might be available? I looked on bulletin boards, and, you know, that was before laptops. And, and, uh, and then one day I'm walking down the street near my house, and there's this Chevy Blazer in a driveway with the for sale sign. Big, boxy, orange and black thing, looking so fine. And I'm like, oh, my God, that, that's, that's a beautiful vehicle. I can't afford it. The price tag was not on the vehicle. But I'm like, I can't afford it. And a voice inside me says, well, What's he asking for? I said, I don't know. <laughs> well, how do you know you can't afford it? Because it's fine, you know? And he goes, well, don't you think you ought to find out what he wants for it? So I had a knock on his door. And I'm like, what you want for your truck? It was $800. I said, what's wrong with it? <laughs> he goes, absolutely nothing. It's got 140,000 miles on it. Change the oil every two months. I'm buying another one just like it. And 
I don't have $800. Uh, I'm looking at his house, and I'm like, you need a paint job. He's like, oh, yeah, I do. I said, that's what I do for a living. Can I give you a bid on painting your house? He goes, yeah, sure. Walked around, there was brick with just a little trim. Come back, I said, $600. I said, uh, I'll give you $200 to paint your house. He goes, done. And, and that became my truck for the next several years. And then somebody else had it after me and somebody else had it after them. And, but there was a process. If it's important, you ask. But then you start looking for ways that answer may be coming. And, and, and then when there's opportunity, there's only one way to find out. You got to knock, you got to swing the bat. And uh, so uh, I want to land the plane here. And I just want to tell you it's a privilege to be here considering God's word together. Does anybody have any comment or any question about anything that's been said today? Don't feel like you must, but feel like you may for a minute. Yes, sir. Tell me your name. Michael. Michael. Everybody here, Michael? That's so true. You know, I've, I've had several opportunities to be at jail and, and prison, and you would be amazed at how Jesus loves to hang out in these places. And uh, when I first pastored the church, and my best friend Dale said, how's it going? I said, man, it's like jail. He goes, that good? That good? Because people dropped their facades, you know, and just came to God as they were. And wh what I found out, I learned three things going to jail. I thought I was going to minister to people. But they ministered to me. And, and uh, you know, they were speaking freely about their faults. And I had many faults that, that I wouldn't speak freely about. And being around people who could own their own sin helped me to own my own sin. So I learned from visiting jail how to confess my sins. And I learned how to sing like I mean it. And I learned how to hug. Uh, I wasn't a hugging guy. I was a, you know, but these guys, come on now. And, and I thought a song like Leaning on the Everlasting Arms was kind of a sad, anemic song until I heard 70 Brothers bring it. And I'm like, my God, that rocks, you know. And so, yes, anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, so for all of us, there's a ditch on both sides of the road with everything, too much or not enough, you know, and, 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 and w when we get that, oh, yeah, you know, I even know his accent. He's got a Bronx accent, you know. Uh, it, it, it's like too much familiarity. I'm, 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 I'm heading for a ditch, but don't just put me in the other ditch as a consequence, you know, and it's a good prayer. So, like, Jesus, help me to recognize your voice. And, and to know yourself. Know which way you lean. One of the saddest things is uh, some people who, who battle condemnation think they're not hard enough on themselves. And, and, and some people who 
uh, have too much sin in their life, think they're too hard on themselves. And, and, and so we, this is where we say, Lord, search me and know my heart and have some trusted friends. But even you giving voice to this is healthy. You know, and I would say uh, what you are experiencing is probably authentic and it's like learning to control, you know, and learning to be under control. You know, get under the yoke with me, says Jesus. I saw on a yoke, like for two oxen, and the guy said there was a farm where there was like 28 oxen. And they said to the guy, how do you train 28 oxen how to plow? He says, I only need to train one. And then I put others under the yoke with the one. Jesus said, get under the yoke with me. So it, I would encourage you, Jesus, could I be under the yoke with you in terms of learning to know your voice, learning not to get it wrong, learning not to throw out the baby with the bathwater, and trust your leaders and, and your peers and your friends to walk alongside you on this journey. And sometimes you need encouragement. Someone says, you know what you said the other day? That was from God. That really blessed me. And then you feel like, okay, you know, I, I have got it wrong, but I don't always get it wrong. And, um, and we will get better, especially calling on the name of the Lord. You call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Not just ultimate salvation, but your prayer life, your home life, your work life, your community life. It's, um, I'm going to, anything else? Last, last dance. Uh, let me pray and give things back to Pastor Kevin. Lord Jesus, you have searched us and know us. You know when we're doing good and when we're doing poorly. I pray that we could respond to your invitation to come and reason together with you. I pray that you would have that you would speak into our life day by day and that as much as possible we could self-correct and bring you glory uh, through what you're doing in our life. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I'm going to get my stuff. Oh, Pastor Kevin, can I just read one quick quote? This is George MacDonald, and C.S. Lewis put together a little book of his, and this is a paragraph, but he says, Why should it be necessary, if God is so good as you represent him, and if he knows everything we need, better far than we do ourselves, why should it be necessary to ask him for anything? I answer, what if he knows prayer to be the thing we need, first and foremost? What if the main object in God's idea of prayer be the supplying of our great, our endless need, the need of himself? Hunger may drive a runaway child home, and he may or may not be fed at once, but he needs his mother more than his dinner. Communion with God is the one need of our soul beyond all the other needs. 
Prayer is the beginning of that communion. And some need is the motive of that prayer. So begins a communion, a talking with God, a coming to one with him, which is the sole end of prayer, yea, of existence itself in its infinite phases. We must ask that we may receive, but that we should receive what we ask in respect to our lower needs is not God's end in making us pray. For he could give us everything without that. To bring his child to his knee, God withholds that we may ask. So, thank you. Thank you, Pastor, for that wonderful word on prayer of the double conversation. Us hearing from God through his word and his providence, and I love how flexible, uh, Pastor, that you are. In uh, Some people can just, oh, God, Kyle, you turn me off. You can overly restrict God. God can only speak to me in a certain way and blah, blah, blah. But um, you so wonderfully reminded us that uh, we have a talking God. And he speaks to us through his word. And, and then when we get to know his word and we start living, we start to hear his voice in providence as we're living life. And... We start to hear his voice through people speaking to us. Oh, that, that person said something so biblically soaked, <laughs> so saturated in the Bible. Maybe it wasn't the exact scripture or whatever, but what they said was so biblically sound, I can't help but hear God in it, right? And I just love that uh, you didn't boil it all down to just read your Bible. You Got to read your Bible. And God will... God, uh, we could say we'll hear God all the time when we read his word. We won't always understand it. Uh, but, but the more you train yourself, the more you'll live life, and you'll hear him even when your Bible is not open. Amen? And so, uh, and of course, the Spirit of God is all over it, right? And it wouldn't happen without the Spirit of God. And so, I, I, I was thinking as I was sitting in my seat, um, we're about to take communion, but I was thinking about prayer and how if it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't even have the Father's ear. You know that? If it weren't for the blood of Jesus, we wouldn't even have access to our Heavenly Father. But because of the blood of Jesus, that washes away our sin, our impurities. The blood of Jesus that conquers sin, conquers death, conquers the devil and his army. We can have access to God because sin separates us from a holy God. But Jesus came down as the personal presence and living embodiment of the true and living God. And He lived the life that people like you and I couldn't. 
He did what was necessary. He blazed the trail. He hung stretched out wide on the cross and said, My, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when Jesus hung there, that's what it looked like for God to take on flesh and to be appear as if he was conquered by sin, but it was through the unexpected means of his death that he conquered it. Because the world conquers through taking power and using it maliciously, God conquered through love, the power of love. And if sin separates us from a holy God, Jesus reconciles us to a holy God. Amen? He puts us right with God. He clothes us in His perfect work of obedience. So that when the Father looks upon you, He sees Jesus in your place. And you're welcomed into the presence of the triune God. Amen? I share the word of the gospel with you because now on when you're in the presence of God as legally in the right place with him in your everyday experience now you can grab that God's ear in prayer and he'll listen to you and if you're wondering why you throw your prayers up and it's as if sometimes, does God hear me? Is he listening? God is always pleased to hear from his son and daughter. Even if the answer you don't even if the answer that you get back is no or what or or not right now. And even if the yes you get doesn't look like what you thought the yes should look like but know this he hears you because of the blood of Jesus he hears you because Jesus is in your place and when your prayers are offered up they pass through as a pleasing aroma because they come from Jesus to the Father and they're a pleasing aroma in the Father's can I say it like this, nostrils, because he looks at his son and he's pleased with his son and what his son has done in your place.